Hello, welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any grand launch statements or positions, so make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level. To interact with us, we love seeing you every Thursday night, live on Facebook or on YouTube. The chats are always lit, so um, love seeing you on there and interact with you, and of course, you might have your chat show up on the air. Also, as always, if you can't catch us live, then also you can find us on all your favorite podcasting apps. So, you know me, my name is John Rework. I'm not just a founder of that. I'm also a past master of the Patriot Lodge number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia. Next up, Joe Martinez. How's it going, Joe? And you are muted. And Mason read out this week. <laughs> One minute. Technical difficulties here. He's still figuring it out. All right, we'll let we'll let Joe run with it. Uh, but yeah, so uh, RJ is running a little late. Jason's under the weather tonight, so we are just going to pr- press through it. And while we do, we're going to thank the patrons who've been supporting the show. You guys are awesome. And so um, if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash the Masonic Roundtable. And that helps keep the show going for many years to come. So thanks. As always, you guys are uh, what keeps the show going. So thank you. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the candidate journey this week. And as we do that, one thing that um, we want to think about as we do the tarot card of the week is like, what is that candidate experience? That's what this is all related to. And so tonight we're going to do a, a tarot card draw and it's going to be on kind of what is the summary? What's the archetype of that candidate going through? One would think it would be the fool, right? So let's see what the, let's see what the tarot card pull is today so let me get out my trusty deck here the deck that i'm using today i'm back yay you're back and you're audible despite our best your best you know, hopes hopes and dreams we have audio on joe so my screen went black yeah hello, hello. <laughs> great seeing you great seeing you who are you joe uh joe martinez pisces lover of long beach walks nice a really good warm cup of coffee and uh soda stream not a sponsor love that stuff yeah what's up y'all all right great seeing you on here let's look at the tarot card of the week this is the mystic mondays deck so it's a very art deco deck very cool jason gave that to me so again we're going to talk about the archetype of a new candidate for freemasonry and the card we're picking upright is what do we have here Six of coins. Six of coins, which in the Rider Waite system, that is the charitable. Giving. 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 Right. So that's why that's why we, we joined Masonry, right? Faith, hope, and charity. So let's let's contribute that chari- charity, right? It means chari- it, it means giving, right, Joe? That's not what it means. It totally it totally is what it means. That's absolutely not what it means. Um, My man. Yeah. <laughs> what does it mean, Joe? Um, yeah, so, wow, we're going to get deep, so, yeah, um, it, uh, got to get back into the Latin and then into the Greek, um, but yeah, it was not giving charity, it was, uh, more a love type of, like, free giving of love to your fellow man. Aha. Uh-huh. Giving them shekels and gold coins and, um, marks and pounds and dollars, none of that, 
um, which is nice. It's a nice thing to do. It's it's generous, which the card represents, but it's not uh, the type of charity that that we uh, tell you to espouse. Not not in Freemasonry, right? Different charity, but uh, yeah. So I do know that I was one of those when I joined Masonry. I was joining to I could also grow in my charitable givings, my charitable contributions to society. So, which we do. Love, love all the charities there. Yeah, so I'm uh, totally. I was totally listening to you, but I saw some some friendly faces here. What's up there, brother Pascal? Mm-hmm. Love you, man. Yes, it's great Give to see you on here. Big smoochy for us. Uh, so funny story for y'all that. Uh, <laughs> I want to hear the story. Yeah, that have. Well, you were there. You. you I know. You know about the thing. That's, I want to so, hear it again. Let's put him back on there. So for those that know my disdain for green beans. <laughs> What? You don't like green beans? I don't like Masonic green beans. Oh, so, man. Pascal, who uh, was at Yatkinville, North Carolina. Um, lovely, lovely town. No <laughs> stoplights to speak of, which is weird for a city boy like me. Um, went down there to visit, and he promised me that his wife, Janine, makes the most delightful green beans known to human existence. And I promise, right? It was a I'll, promise. I'll be dog damned. They were delicious. <laughs> um, yep. You had me sold. Love you. Give her a smooch for me. Give yourself another smooch. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming tonight. Awesome. Very, very cool. Yeah. All right. So let's continue this thread about the the candidate and the, the journey that they go on. Uh, we've done an episode way back, episode 256, on the Masonic Factory. Like, how does a lodge keep uh, attract, keep, and grow membership. And one thing that we have to think about is not so much from the Lodge's perspective. That episode was very much Lodge-centric. How do we you know, f- focus on the process, getting people through the door, right? Because the purpose of a Lodge is to make Master Masons. However, let's flip that coin around. <laughs> I love love your face, Joe. You're I'm gonna play. Just, I'm gonna play poker out, with you, man. You're just throwing out all the bumper sticker lines. I just. I I definitely want to play hold them with you, just so I can I you're can not, read your face. <laughs> but yeah, no, they are. But, uh, yeah, continue. Let's talk about it from the other perspective. Let's talk about it from the actual. Um, Mason, new Mason, right? The candidate, as he's going through, what is he feeling? What is he experiencing? What is he going through? What is he wishing for? What is he getting disappointed by? Um, All of that is done through a couple of different ways. Uh, Obviously, getting to know the brothers is the number one way to do that. But um, in in business or in other service-based organizations, one tool that can help with that is a tool called the Customer Journey Map. So uh, I do a little bit of design thinking, consulting on the side, and part of that helps helps you realize the steps that someone goes through when they're using your experience. Again, this is for like a business. Uh, someone, as they go through um, either the, the steps to acquire something for your business or to go through the experience, um, hope, hope to see you there. Great. We've got a ton of That's great. prospective buyers on tonight. So yeah. Awesome. So... So the, yeah, exactly. Think about your experience along the way. That's that's the in, uh, the intent of this episode. But um, one thing what we want to do is you want to think about not just what happens after they're in. You want to think about what is that experience like every step along the way. So let me paint a picture for you. Um, imagine that you are going to Disney World or Disneyland, right? And you know you're 
you're leading up to it, you've already bought your tickets, you're excited, you're driving down there, you're flying down there, whatever that is, right? You, you um, approach the big signs, the big painted signs off the highway. You're like, oh, I'm getting so close. There's Mickey, right? And then you get into the huge parking lots, right? Where, you know, they manage it pretty well, but they're huge parking lots. And you're like, crap, now I got to walk. And it's hot. <laughs> like, so you went from a very high experience or, you know, excitement level to nail, oh, now I either got to go find the tram or I got to hoof it all the way up to the, all the way, all the way up to what? The, the beginning of the monorail. Like, oh, now there's a line for the monorail. Like now your experience level is even going lower, right? It, it's not as fun, right? But you, you stick with it and now you finally take, get on the monorail and then you go up and then now you see the beautiful gates, right? You're walking through, um, there's characters already out walking around. So now your excitement levels back up. So you can see it's not just as simple as buying a ticket, go to Disney World, and then that's the whole experience. Every step along the way has little micro experiences that should be evaluated on are we giving them the best um, service or best, <laughs> best experience there is possible um, as they well, go through that. Yeah, and, and you, you kind of, well, you touched on a couple of things, right? So the big one is what what this is that makes it different from uh, process improvement, right? So you right. were talking about, so everything that you said talking about Disney World slash Disneyland was the end user, right? And yes. that person's experience going through it, right? So if you're not talking about, <clears throat> and just for all you process nerds out there like John, the big difference between a customer journey map and a process improvement process or, or map and things like that is that you are taking it from the standpoint of the customer or the user, right? Right. Not the company, not the organization, not Freemasonry as a whole. We right. don't care about that process. So everything has to be driven around. How did John feel at that moment in time? What was a, a, a footnote of his day there? What was the low note of his day? You know, that kind of thing. So, everything has to do with the user and the user's experience. So we can apply this and you had mentioned it's for service organizations, but it could be for products and stuff. Like sure. That. Absolutely. Where a customer goes from point A to point B to purchase a product or a service. And how do you like feel that. when you're driving in your car, right? You are, or you've, they're using your yeah, how did you iPhone. Feel, how mm -hmm. did you feel navigating the Walt Disney world website to buy your fast right. pass that you turned out everybody else? At the damn park, at fast pass, so <laughs> yeah. right? GD plus, I'll get you one day. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so let's take that and and go a step further. Uh, well, what we have here, I'm actually going to share my screen. Uh, there are tools that you can do this, and so this is again, this is a practical thing that you can do in your lodge as you think about what your lodge experience is to the candidates. So let me share my screen here. What you see here is the uh, an example of a customer journey map and i'm going to walk through it at a high level of what you're what you see here and then we'll go down and, and actually start applying it so the first thing is like look at number one the the high level phases of the process here what we want to do is we want to see at a high level what are the steps that the user needs to um, go from start to finish uh, so we're what we've done and outlined already, I'm not going to spoil it too much, is from when someone's interested in joining Masonry to petitioning Masonry to going through the degrees and then actually becoming a member. So those are kind of the high-level phases, right? We haven't gone through much detail yet, but 
inside of that, you actually want to look at the next step. Let's break that down. What are the detailed actions your user has to perform? Remember when I used that monorail example or parking example in Disney World, right? It's not as simple as walk through the, walk through the entrance. No, there's a lot of steps that get you up to walking through the entrance. And so the, the, the more uh, clear we can be about what are the specific steps that the customer goes through, um, the, it is, the more discreet we'll be able to um, see how, how they're interacting, how they're feeling when they're, when they're going through those steps. Because you can't just say, well, we, we, don't, we don't care about someone until they submit their petition, right? That is completely oblivious to you know, the whole concept of bringing people in. And after we have identified those steps, then we actually start tracking their feelings. What might the user be thinking or feeling at each step along the way, at each moment, right? So, oh no, I've, I've parked my car, but it's, you know, I'm in the, the itchy lot and it's humongous and I have to go find, um, you know, how, how to walk. And there's, it's not very clear, right? So that's where you can document the feeling that you have. Right. So, and again, I think, I think what we're going to do is again, bring it from the end user perspective. I hate, Absolutely. Calling, I hate calling a customer, right? Cause it feels kind of skeezy yes. uh, calling a new, a new candidate, a customer, um, mm -hmm. even though they are right. You're, they are, they are purchasing. <laughs> They're buying something yeah. with their time, yeah. right? With their time and the value that you're providing to them and stuff like that. So sure. if you're not giving them good value, and as we'll see as we put this map together, because I think John wants to touch on some some really prescient examples. Mm -hmm. um, but and and yeah, absolutely, Umberto. Uh, yeah, we'll be talking about generics. We're not going to talk about specifically what Louisiana does or what Virginia does or what New York does. Just some high level stuff um, that is common to most, if not all. But uh, yeah, I think you just got to remember it's it, you're coming from the perspective of the candidate, right? Mm -hmm. Not from the laws, not from the officers. We don't care what they have to say right now. And maybe they'll learn something by the end of this. Yeah. And so the last thing that we focus on, because this is where it becomes actionable. If we talk about how they feel when they go through that, you can't always change someone's feelings, but you can observe behaviors and pain points. You can see the specific problems that a user runs, to, runs into. Those are fixable which leads you to the blue stickies there. What are the opportunities? What could I do about this pain point? Could I take it away? Could I make it you know, less? Could I um, do something else to, to help distract from the pain? All right, so these are all different things that you can do. All right, so that's a high level overview of yeah. this tool that's been used in design thinking for a long time. Right, and, and the goals of this, um, and I think we touched on it lightly, the goals of putting something like this together, right? Putting this customer journey map together are, there are goals, right? Is number one to create an understanding of what the hell it is you're doing. Um, yeah. What are you doing as you're putting a candidate through the process from the time that they find your, your 1994 GeoCities website to <laughs> you walk in the door, you know? And, right, and that's one of the things we're gonna talk about. And then number two, this can help you if you, number one, you're honest with yourself and honest with your lodge it can help you identify gaps in your process, right? Identify places where you're failing or where your officers are failing or where your members are failing. <laughs> right. Coming the door. And then finally, uh, like John said at the end, explore new opportunities or new ways to 
provide value to those people that are walking in the door. So that's that's the purpose of this. It's not just to draw a pretty picture and put it up on the wall. Although some people do use a customer. Yes. Hi, I did work and I'm going to paste it on my wall. Yes. So, yeah. If you ever do any design thinking, make sure you actually do something about those stickies on the wall. Yes. All right. Let's walk through it then. So let's now do this from a large perspective and um, and consider the, the user along the way. When someone's interested in joining Masonry, the general steps, what are some of the general steps that, that they go through before they submit a petition? Well, Joe? I'd say, I'd say the most realistic one is they crack open a web browser and start looking into Freemasonry. Freemasonry mm -hmm. and, um, you know, so the discovery part, how do I find out about Freemasonry outside of watching movies and TV shows? Uh, some folks are lucky that they can talk to someone, a family member or a good friend that's a Mason. Um, but a lot of people, and as as the numbers dwindle, right? I'm sorry, as the numbers refine, not dwindle, um, <laughs> there are less and less direct interactions with Masons that, you know, facilitate that. So it's you're on the internet, or you're on Facebook, you're on social media, and you're looking for stuff about Freemasonry in your area. Mm -hmm. So it'll take you to a website or a Facebook page or something uh, that has contact information. So yeah, that whole discovery aspect. How do I find out about Masonry? Right. How do I find a lodge? Exactly. So you have the general discovery, whether it be tech techie or through a person, usually get invited to a dinner. I mean, it doesn't always have to be, but it is certainly the easiest way to get to know people um, and hopefully have some sort of follow up uh, in order to, you know, show interest, uh, come back to the second dinner or, you know, get, get, get in contact with the secretary of the lodge, whatever that looks like. So that's you know, at a high level, those are some of the steps that one might take. Is there any other steps up to submitting a petition that you think? Uh, I, I think follow-up really covers all of it, you know, um, because mm -hmm. follow-up could be subsequent in-person meetings. Some lodges, or I won't even say jurisdiction, some lodges have a requirement, hey, we, you need to come to like five or six dinners, or you need to come mm -hmm. to here before we even consider uh, reading a petition of yours and some other lodges are, Hey, you showed up and you put money in the basket. Here's a petition. So right. <laughs> it really is. And there's no, there's no one hard fast rule. So I would say those, those three cover it from a high level. Mm -hmm. So then when someone's interested in general, the, the steps are, they submit the petition, they fill out the form and say, I want to join your lodge. And here's my, here's my, uh, my fees and my, um, my information and in general, um, lodges in, in, in the states here don't act on that right away. Um, most jurisdictions have to have it, quote unquote, lay over for 30 days. Uh, so that way it's not rushed through. It gives the, the brethren a chance to chime in if they know something about your character or whatever. Um, and in that 30 days, thank you for adding that, there's an investigation. So uh, other brothers from that lodge will usually talk to that candidate and say, hey, you know, we're here to, to learn more about you as well, answer any of the questions you may not have felt comfortable with when you submitted your petition, and just get a general feel of that brother. And then hopefully, if all goes well, then there's a notice that says, congratulations, you have been accepted to receive the degrees of Freemasonry. All right. So that would lead that candidate into the next phase, which would be the degrees themselves. Okay. Joe? Yeah, I was looking at, I was going to let you talk and I was going to edit some text there. Edit away. 
I don't great. like catechism. I don't like because not every not every jurisdiction does catechism. And that's why I kind of offset those. Like may, maybe it's a step, maybe it's not. Again, you have to customize this for your jurisdiction proficiency. That's another way, way of saying oh, it. Yeah, yeah. Right, but either way, um, in most regular Grand Lodges, you have to have three separate degrees or initiations, right? So that those are sequential steps in the process, right? So um, often there is a proficiency of some sort of an oral test to see if you got the concepts before you can move on. Sometimes there isn't. And we won't even talk about one day classes right now, but that's a different, that's a different journey map. That's a different, that's a much more streamlined journey map. So it's a very, it's a very short, very short customer journey map. But to that point, that would yield a completely different set of experiences. Very much so. Right. Um, Some better, some worse. Yep. So that, that is certainly worth, you know, if you're, if you're going to go through the effort and do it, you know, think about this from your one day candidates as well. Yeah. And then finally, they become a member, right? And then they, uh, they walk in through the door. They've, they, they've got their shiny new apron on, maybe their new ring. And then what? What are the steps that they go through um, after that? It's funny because uh, I think it was um, brother, worshipful brother Chris Hodap who once said that uh, in general, you have four lodge meetings to get them hooked. That is their EA degree, their fellow craft degree, their master mason degree, and their very first state in meeting that they go to. After that, <laughs> you know, you better have good experiences along the way, because uh, now now that they're in, they have the oppor- they have the option of not not showing up anymore. So, um, so so what does membership look like? Well, then you get all the fun things like dues notices, get to join committees, get to uh, travel, you get to um, Go to um, you know, get to volunteer for different officer positions, right? So, the uh, yeah, Suncar brings up a good good point here that you know what about the time frame between these? So that's another good point, right? We're not we're not talking about the time frame between these, or maybe maybe we are, because uh, when we talk about what's painful, sometimes there can be some anxiety if the time frame is too long, or or disappointment if the time frame is too short. So um, I have some data on that, but that's a different that's a different show yep. <laughs> about what's the optimal time uh, between those. Right, and for this, I mean, we're just talking about actual experience data points, right? So right. this will happen. This will happen, right? So mm-hmm. we can we can absolutely yeah. And and brother Scott mm. talked about mentor touch points. That is fantastic. Um, but we'll talk about that during the experience aspects of it, right? So beautiful. Again, it, it's fluid and it's very individualized so um so i put up some some silly ones obviously but you know obviously the first thing you're gonna get is your dues card and your dues notice so yay you get to pay dues now congratulations um maybe you'll get education we we should put that in like a very dull picture like kind of fading out there so sometimes you'll get education or sometimes um you'll be You'll be asked to help out on things, you know, help out with cooking or help out with this or help out with the uh, the Sunshine Committee or the Member Reach Out Committee or the help out with the youth groups or the appended bodies. You're going to be asked to help out with something because you are now a warm body and you are present and you're excited. So, you know, they're going to take advantage or not take advantage of it. That sounds awful, God. Um, yes. They're going to reap the benefits of your exuberance and get you to do some work. 
Now, if you go to a lodge that maybe is kind of light in the officer line, you may very well ask to become an officer right away. You know, hey, we need a steward or hey, we need a chaplain or hey, we need something like this. Um, you may get asked very quickly to do that. And then one thing that will happen once you are a member is you're going to be inundated with more petitions and more things to join. Um, you know, Freemasonry is a very large umbrella and has lots of different appendant bodies and concordant bodies and different organizations. And you're going to find out about all of them probably at your first dated meeting. Yes. Um, <laughs> so you're going to find out what else you can do. So, yeah, I think that's a good high level. Yeah. So again, you're going to have to customize this for the way your lodge operates. Again, mentorship, we, you know, there's lots of areas to insert that. If that's part of your process, if that's part of your steps that your lodge does, by all means, go right right there and do it but now let's and, and let's again, dive deeper yeah, Joe? yeah uh, while you're zooming again because i'm seeing a lot of the comments pop up again this is not from your experience as a member of the lodge and what you're seeing the candidates do this is how the candidate is experiencing things so obviously there's a lot of stuff that's left out here because we're talking about it from again the customer experience not your experience the customer's experience so, you know, we'll fill in the blanks with other stuff when we get down to opportunities, but it's got to be very targeted to what that person goes through at each of those little steps. So, carry on, John. Alrighty. Well, let's talk about what's going on now. Put yourself in that candidate's shoes for a second, right? First time you do this, then you actually wanted to, you know, try to guess, try to put yourself in that position. But optimally, it'd be great if you could actually bring in the the youngest master Mason and have them sit down and tell you what this was like, like walk through this step with them because their experience is real. It's, it's recently lived and it's, um, it's more accurate data because it's, you're not guessing you're actually hearing. So we want, you want to walk through and ask the, ask the candidate or think about putting yourself in this situation. What was, what was going well? How did I, what did I feel good about when I was uh, looking around for lodges and what did I feel bad about? So uh, we'll let we'll let Joe focus on the positive because Joe's a positive guy, and then <laughs> I'll I'll write down some of the negatives. Well, um, well no, I mean as we this, do this, no, would love mm -hmm. to would love to spit all this because yeah, we make it a point, and and a lot of lodges don't do this, right? Uh, we make it a point during each part of the process, or maybe right after the process is over, asking people, hey, how was it when you first came into the lodge? How was it when you met with brothers? You know how what was your experience? Were you welcomed were you taken care of were you made to feel at home you know or did you just walk into a place and a bunch of old guys ignored you you know so um you know we ask these questions uh and again some lodges do a great job of of treating the customer experience very seriously right um, but yeah these are these are all so i would say a positive for me is yeah oh, welcome so yeah so we're just going to make some of these up as if they were part of this fictitious lodge experience. Um, so you can see f when they were trying to find, you know, the lodge, maybe they felt welcome. Maybe they, they were able to be oh, yeah. introduced. Okay. They, um, and so you should try to kind of line these up with the steps too. Um, I'm doing that. Stop yelling at me. Uh, I'm not yelling at you. I'm, I'm using you as an example. So um, it might be hard to find information on the web, whether the Facebook page is not there or the website looks like GeoCities, like Joe said. Um, that might be might be hard. Um, maybe when they go to dinner that the, the food was adequate, it was good. Maybe they felt it was a great food. Who knows, right? Um, maybe, but the downside to going to a dinner is 
you're walking into a room full of people you probably have never met before. And so, um, we were talking in the green room, like, like Juan Sepulveda has a story about how he, you know, didn't know anyone when he first was, was joining masonry. And that was, it had some anxiety that went with that, that it was hard. Um, you know, Juan has talked about the clicks in, in masonry too, right? Did anyone sit with me? Right. So great story about that. So we had a, um, uh, it was a couple of months ago and I'm not going to mention names or anything, but we had uh -huh. a, uh, it wasn't even a candidate. It was a brother who is from another country and he came to the United States. He's going to be here for about a year and works in DC and he's living in Northern Virginia and he's a Mason. So what did he want to do? He wanted to start Masoning, right? So started going around the lodges, visited quite a few lodges in Virginia, visited one in DC, uh, and then finally showed up to our lodge because uh, we have lots of stuff on our social media and on our website that tell people and uh, what's going on and when it's going on. So we like to keep people informed. And this uh, this brother uh, decided to, during the stated meeting, you know, right when we were about to close, decided to get up and tell everybody that this was the most welcome he had ever felt in a lodge. In wow, that's um, amazing. He had been to other lodges and exactly as John was talking about. Now, this was a, another brother, right? It wasn't just a candidate. Yeah. Um, somebody was a brother. They looked at his dues card. He's good to go. He gets to sit in lodge with them. But he had been to some lodges and nobody sat with him. He sat by himself while he ate dinner. Um, nobody sat with him when he was in lodge uh, outside of, you know, questioning him and finding out about his dues card and all that stuff. So. Um, but he made it a point to make sure everybody in that room knew that he was made to feel really welcome and couldn't wait to come back. So, mm -hmm. Good. That's, see, that's a great experience. And that's something that if you are aware as a lodge, you, like that was a good experience for someone, then you double down on it. How can we ensure that that happens again? Right. And it's not an accident. It's not because so-and-so was the greatest, um, you know, the greatest talker and, and just welcome it. Like if they're not there next week or next, next month, how do you ensure that happens again? So moving on to the, the petition stage, right? After you submit the petition, I'm just filling out some, some of the potential negatives here after they submit, maybe was the form filled out, right? Uh, you know, every lodge or grain lodge has their own different, um, petition forms. Did it feel right? Why do I have to submit? My, I mean, I've heard people say, why do I have to attach my social security number? Like that's, that's, PII, like, why, why am I sharing that? There's some awkwardness there. Or even background check anxiety as it's waiting. Uh, they're doing a background check on me? Like, right. uh, I don't, what, and they start thinking about all the things you did, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Oh my gosh, like, that's, that could be awkward, right? Um, when you go through an investigation, right? Sometimes it's at your house. Like, you know, maybe, maybe my house isn't clean enough for, for these people. And so, you know, um, you have clean house anxiety, right? Uh, or, or again, meeting new people because these are often the investigating committee is not who you've um, had as your signers for your petition. And then the notice them itself, like how did, when I got the notice, um, and again, I don't think, I don't think he'll mind sharing it either. Like once a poll, I'll never forget. He told me the story about how, uh, he got his notice that he was accepted to receive the degrees of Freemasonry via text. <laughs> and it, you know, it, it, it was not the experience he was looking for. Happy to be there. Happy to 
be accepted into the Damn fraternity. <laughs> but but um, the experience was uh, less, you know, was subpar. So what are some what are some good things that someone could yeah. go through? Yeah, thanks, Debbie Downer. So positive. <laughs> um, yes. So for submitting a petition, did someone hand me a petition and then walk away, or did they sit down and say, "Hey, here's what we expect in the petition. Fill this out. Provide this documentation." Did someone explain that entire process? Um, some lodges, I've noticed, have a petition right online on their website, so you don't even have to talk to a human being. To get <clears throat> Some lodges actually say, no, our petition is not going to be online and you got to come in and you got to meet us and you got to talk to us. So uh, definitely a user experience level there. Uh, did someone go through that entire form and tell you what the process was all about? Hey, you're not going to find out about this until, like like John said, a month later or you know, a full lunar month later, wherever it was. So, And then for the investigation, did somebody sit down and tell me, hey, some dudes are going to come to your house and make sure you cleaned it and you know scrutinize every single thing i'm just kidding you know someone gonna go and sit down and talk to you and then during the investigation they sat down and they talked to my wife and they said hey wife uh this is what this is what happens in freemasonry and this is what's going to be expected of your significant other um are you okay with it do you have any questions um you know they sat down and they took the time to talk to my family about what i was getting into so again they made it a more cohesive and and you know uh interesting process and then finally on the notice thing you know is it a text message or do you get an official letter on really pretty stationary <clears throat> yeah exactly you know welcome congratulations all that stuff do you have something that you can then hold in your hand and say, is our wow, personal touch right mm -hmm. they made me feel important right mm -hmm. so yeah absolutely <clears throat> so it's just some things that you know you know, we're, we're mixing some metaphors here because you actually want to do this for your specific experience. Um, but things to think about when you think about from their perspective, what, what made them feel well and not feel so well. And then they get to actually get the degrees in Freemasonry. So we start with, usually the, the first one is, let's get a cast together and let's schedule a time to put on your EA degree. So what are the negatives that could happen there? Well, we've all heard them before. Uh, disorganized you know degrees right it could be sloppy ritual it could be the uh candidate um clothing was dirty and smelly it could be um yep. just disorganized people were running late uh, or it seemed rushed right um low attendance these are all like things that are noticeable but you know could could not give the greatest experience and then after that if you have proficiency or, or catechisms in your jurisdiction well now you have to do the work so the work itself has you know positives and negatives that go with that to include hey i can't just it's i'm a working person and my mentor's working and we have a really hard time aligning our schedules between t-ball and everything else uh to get together and actually do the work so that could be um a challenge uh, or you know a, a negative to that experience okay and then what are some positives there, Joe? Yeah, so I'm just copying and pasting the same damn thing. So <laughs> apply. But um, yeah, the big one was the ritual. You know, for me, the ritual was great and everybody looked like they cared and they knew their stuff and they weren't saying ums and odds and they put on a performance more so than uh, reading something out of a book, right? So they, to me, acted like they gave a poop, right? Right. Um, and then, you know, uh, the opposite of a mentor being unavailable was 
there was always a mentor there. And it wasn't just one person that was teaching me, at least in Virginia here, you learn the catechism, right? So it's mouth to ear, rote memorization of the things that you experience um, in very specific language. But did someone just do rote memorization with me or did they actually explain to me what I went through and what I learned and what the words meant and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's, th those go hand in hand. And then finally for all three of them, did I have an experience or did I just go through a process to, end mm. up right? So, um, you know, huge difference, yeah, huge difference between an experience and a process, right? A lot of positive takeaways <clears throat> you get from, from new Masons is if they really go through a, an experience because all the other pieces that made that degree up and made that mentorship up all fit into place perfectly. Right. So there was a plan mm -hmm. it was executed and that person has a good positive experience. <laughs> That's right. So there's some things to capture along the way, because if, if you have a great degree team, double down on it, right? You're, you're making sure that experience is awesome uh, for, for the new, new candidates. And then finally, once they become a master Mason and they attend their first meeting right afterwards, or, or they, you know, what happens next like that? And by the way, this is the hard part because, you know, um, in most jurisdictions, there's no prescribed way of, taking that brand new master Mason and then integrating them with the lodge. And it, it's you know sad to say, but it's, it's kind of like, great. Here's a couple of pamphlets. You're, you're a master Mason now. Good luck. Let me you know, give you a slap on the back and push out the door. Cause um, that is where you want to make sure that that experience continues on beyond the degree system, because um, there could be uh it's, it's basically how do you retain that person, right? And we talked about recruitment. We talked about retention in, in the lodge uh, many, many um, episodes here. But, I, you know, I personally know uh, there, was one, there was one guy, unfortunately, who um, I was his top-line signer for, and he was excited to join. And I'll never forget his first stated meeting as a Master Mason. He showed up. There was zero education on the docket, and it was just people complaining about the bills. That's it. They, they complain. And they talked about why we've gone with this bank for 30 years and they're changing their rates. That's important. Important. Uh, oh my gosh. And again, this, this person had just gone through all this memorization about all the, the mysteries of Freemasonry. And he heard a whole bunch of old dudes complain about the bills. And sad to say, never showed up again. Right. I reached out to him and I said, look, this is, trust me, that was, that was a rare experience, but he says, now nah, I'm good. And so there you go. I mean, that, that's, that's point proven where a bad experience can, can actually, you know, put off uh, the new members. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, right. I would definitely add one for the negatives on the inundation with additional petitions. Um, lots of people experience that. Oh yeah. Right. You're a master Mason here and sign up for all these appendant bodies. Hey, how about the York, right? Hey, how about the Scottish, right? Why aren't you a Shriner when you don't know what the hell a Shriner is? What's a Shriner? Don't I think a Shriner? So. Well, why aren't you one? Mm -hmm. yeah, right on. yeah, absolutely. But let's, let's be positive. What was a good lodge experience post master Mason degree look like Joe? Right. So what people want to see or what people say that they see is they go to their first stated meeting and the ritual is sublime, right? The ritual is uh, super interesting and it, it's transcendent and it looks like people actually care as opposed to just regurgitating stuff out of a book. 
Um, so it definitely makes a difference when you have an, a new brother there. They're welcomed into the lodge. You know, people go out of their way to say, hey, oh, yeah. here is our new Master Mason. And they made me feel welcome. And they brought me up to the east. And they gave me all this stuff. And they gave me a lapel pin. You know, the first of the 5,000 <laughs> on my wall. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they made me feel like I was the most important person in the room. Um, you know, back to education. What Was there an education given in the lodge? And if it wasn't, what other paths to learning does that lodge have? Is it sit-downs? You know, do they have sit downs after a lodge meeting in the dining hall for four hours with Don McAndrews? Um, that is a viable path to learning, you know, which all of us have experienced. So um, going back to the committees and being an officer, uh, was I pressed with it or was I given opportunities to either serve or to be involved in my lodge? You know, because not everybody that comes to Freemasonry wants to be an officer. Not right. everybody wants to talk about bills. You know, there are people that enjoy cooking meals there are people that enjoy um uh working on the social media and making us a more permanent present in the community so um and then again uh the the uh counterpoint to the appended body rush is what other other opportunities for an excited young mason do they have to practice more masonry um so yeah you know all of those are mm -hmm. i think the primary ones again you know, does that person feel welcomed and do they want to come back the following month that's the big one right that's the big one right there. You know, uh, there was a comment that um, was in the YouTube chat. It says, you know, what would you study if you were a new candidate? Right? Because there's really not a lot of education or study in these early phases, right? Look at that. Like, there's there's some feedback right there that would say, hey, wouldn't it be great if there was some books or some information, some education before I, I know I'm glad you're sitting down, Joe. Oh my God. <laughs> what what oh if my God. Wow. <laughs> to enhance the experience, right? From an educational perspective, as well as I feel like I'm involved. I feel like I'm getting something already. I'm getting some value already. Like this is all, all things that you can do. And that's a huge opportunity. You know what? I'm going to skip ahead and, and take uh, Ascabo's suggestion. I'm going to say, you know what? There's an opportunity right there early on. We wait. You want pre-experience education? I, I want to answer this one right away. Yeah. Do we? We do. Damn oh. It. Oh. Okay. It's there. Okay. So, brother Jonathan, um, and I know because brother Jonathan's from Virginia, and I know that we still have these. I don't know if you ever saw them, John, but um, I was actually raised in another jurisdiction, <laughs> and I was given a book, and we have something similar. It's called Taking Those First Steps. It's one of those mm. old body books. Mm -hmm. um, before you even sign a petition or do anything, those books are there to give you stuff. Hey, here's the real deal about Freemasonry. Stay off of Wikipedia. Um, don't go on the dark web. And here's some things and here's some places that you can go look. Podcast Alan plus 10 green bean points to you, my friend. Kudos. So, um, but yeah, absolutely. Damn right. You want to educate the candidate before he starts his experience because you want to set expectations. And you want them to know that, holy crap, there's stuff I need to know or I should know that'll make my experience better. So if we're not doing that, we're failing, right? Boom. Love it. Off soapbox. All right. So so we walked through now as we looked at all the different steps that it takes to progress through Mason Ring. Um, again, we're looking at uh, events or actions that happened that led to positive or negative experiences, right? So then what do we do about that? If we're a lodge and we're trying to make the lodge better, we're trying to 
uh, take good lodges and make them better. There's another, there's another phrase for you, Joe. <laughs> then we should actually be documenting. I'm going to be full of them tonight. You know, Joe, you to be one, you should ask one. We're, we're going to take some action, some steps here and observe, like document the actual observable behaviors or things that we can notice and see and touch and change. That's the most important thing because you can't change everyone's feelings, right? You, if someone's really nervous or really shy, like there's, there's not a lot you can do about that, but there are things you can do about improving the process improving the experience. So we're already at one, right? Look at, look at this opportunity. Why don't we give them some early profane education and see if that it makes the experience better. Right. Um, and, and you can see some of these feelings, these negative feelings, um, are, are the pain points themselves. So I'm not going to like belabor the point, right? Um, but you should be able to see that their correlation of hard to find information on the web, one of the opportunities should be, you know, uh, get a uh, techie brother to update, you know, the social media, right? Right, that might be... Or, or get a techie brother to start a social media presence. Good yeah. God, it is Update slash start. Yes. Yeah. You know they have the internet on computers now, Joe. They have the internet on <laughs> these magical little devices that Whoa. we all watch TikTok on before we go to bed. So. <laughs> it's for an hour, yeah. Um, you know, if you are, if you don't know anyone, well then, here's an opportunity right here. Um, we can, you know, assign a welcome committee. Just as an example, um, and make sure that you know, and that in in Virginia, that's one of the duties of the senior deacon, for example, is to you know, introduce and accommodate visiting brethren. Mm -hmm. um, and then, what else do we? Oh, and by the way, while we're looking at these opportunities to fix negative things, there are also opportunities to improve what's working. Right? If if this is really working for you. Just don't accept that as status quo. It's great. I mean, hey, like keep doing it and make it better. You should take good masonry and make it better, Joe. So <laughs> don't 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 break your computer. Uh, I'll I'll be good. I'll be good, right? Um, and then the you know the follow up itself, right? Maybe um, maybe one thing that you can do as an opportunity to improve that that step that that process is to um, you know, like set set reminders uh, for the secretary. Don't don't let don't wait. Don't have the candidate be the one that's initiating. Have a process. Uh, yeah, exactly. And make sure there's like notifications and alerts and and things that annoy the secretary to say, hey, let's go talk to that guy. Don't let the don't leave them hanging, right? Or maybe use a platform. <gasps> Like wow, like a platform. Like I'm trying to think of magical names. Like Grandview, uh, what? That has all these really neat tools that that Grand Lodges pay for, and it'll actually give you alerts of, hey, you haven't responded to this prospect in a week or ten days, um, you know, and, and it does it automatically for you. So, and we're gonna get to mm -hmm. that, Jonathan. Like hard, hard. Mm. We're gonna hit it hard to survey them on, on their experience. Right. And that's the thing, like for, for the, you could use this process today, this whole like customer journey map, um, your logic could do that day. Go call up the newest master Mason, have them sit down and say, Hey, we just want to 
hear from you what the experience is like. Now, pro tip, do not get defensive, right? Um, if, if you're doing this as a lodge, like you want to actively listen. You want to make sure you take into consideration what they're saying. And you know, they could say, hey, you know what? Uh, you guys left me hanging for a month. Um, it was really awkward. And I don't know, I didn't know what to do. I, I was brand new. So I really didn't like that. So instead of saying, well, you know, you could have just showed up to this other dinner or you could have like call it like, don't make it about you. Don't make it about your lodge. Flip it around and say, okay, what could we have done better to improve on that? Right. So those are just little tidbits, right? Take that, take that new current experience, but also don't be defensive, right? Your, your, your goal here is to learn and make the, make the lodge experience better. Um, Background check anxiety, right? Make sure that people know what the process is. That say, hey, by the way, this is how much it's going to cost. This is how to fill out the form. This is what the background check will check for. Or this is why we're asking you this. Like, be very clear on explaining the process. That's one way you can um, improve that experience, right? And a good one here that Joe wrote is formalize the contact process. What do you mean by that, Joe? Uh, exactly. Use the tools. Uh, exactly. As I said before, use the tools that you have. And if you don't have them, go get some tools. Um, but at very, very high level. So let's say you have a secretary who hates technology, get a buddy to help him that loves technology <laughs> right. okay? and make him mm -hmm. do all the techie stuff. So, you know, templatize his email. Well, go ahead. Yeah. Well, and you brought up a really great point earlier that I think is worth doubling down on, which is, um, some lodges do like they have a nice, calligraphied i guess i'm making up a term there um acceptance letter i still have mine from 2003 man i never got any of that so but that's the point is if that is something you can try and guess what you can just you can experiment with these things right that's it's not an innovation in masonry that's just improving your process um you still have to notify the candidate it doesn't say how you have to notify the candidate if you want to make it a great experience are you going to go the walmart way or the disney way <laughs> that's that's one way to think about it do you want do you want the disney lodge or do you want the uh back alley dollar 99 dollar tree experience <laughs> i can tell you right now i don't want back alley <laughs> back alley mason so, yeah, <laughs> so so no no okay let me make a note of that no back alley masonry got it back alley masonry. okay all right and then let me get to the degrees themselves right um Obviously, some opportunities for improvement there are things like, you know, having awesome ritual, right? And that's, you know, that could be, you know, practice, practice, practice with your cast as often as possible to make sure that's crisp. You know, know your ritual. Why should they know their ritual, Joe? I'm, I'm going to see how big I can make this thing before it explodes. Um, yeah, so know your... Yeah, boom! <laughs> What do, you, what do you mean? They, they shouldn't know the ritual. Okay, so here's why. So you have an opportunity to present a candidate with an experience that they will only experience once in their entire lifetime. They're only going to be true. once. That is true. Spellcraft once. They're only going to be raised one time in their whole life. Do you want it to be awesome, or do you want it to be a dumpster fire? Like, and and it's completely up to the lodge right. how they do it. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Right. And then maybe another opportunity, and maybe this is maybe this is a pain point or opportunity. I'm not sure. You tell me. Um, I think that 
lodges and and it might be jurisdictional or it might be just the the tone and the the flavor of the lodge but some lodges will have the people that are assigned to those chairs for the year be the ones performing the ritual where other lodges i've seen they will absolutely oh my god yes scott um they'll absolutely have like an a team that you know that hey this guy knows this lecture so well it makes me cry every time he goes right right i want him to do it all the time like so you know maybe talk in the lodge is an opportunity to say hey what kind of ritual experience do we want to deliver do we want to just say hey because this guy's senior deacon he has to do the senior deacon work or do we want to take someone who performs it in such an amazing way that we want that candidate to see that every time so mm -hmm. and then of course you know what are some opportunities of improvement for the steps between the degrees right um communication is key regardless whether it be with um you know, your mentor, whether it be with the lodge, just communicate, communicate, communicate could be one way that we could improve. Right. And so you might want to document, well, how are we going to <clears throat> follow up with their, our newest EAs, our newest fellow crafts? Is there a specific, um, tool, technology, letter, phone call tree, whatever that is, just to make sure that they are not feeling like second class citizens, because, <clears throat> you know, thanks to the Baltimore convention, you know, we open on the third degree and, and there might be a couple months where, they're a brother, but they're not allowed to attend any meetings yet. So what do we do? Not to... everywhere. Not everywhere. Not, not everywhere. Experience the, the, you know, the, the fantabulousness of the, the bill bickering from day one. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to wait till they're a master mason, but, but they, just, they uh, get to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. EA. It's like, wow, bills. I love it. Mm -hmm. So, or dinner was so expensive. Oh my God. So, um, but you know, just to touch on what you said about the, the mentoring and stuff, have a process in place don't just wing it and say hey Stuart, you're this guy's mentor and you know we expect him to know his catechism or learn the things that he needs to learn that's mm -hmm. bs you know have a process in place for each right. and every candidate regardless of who the mentor is regardless of who the educator is and everybody goes through the same process so mm -hmm. write it down and tell everybody about it don't keep it a secret there you go all right, and then once they become a master mason, what are some opportunities to improve? If you if you look at, you know, what's working well, what's not working so well, you certainly want to I don't know think about Masonic education might be might be something worth worth looking into. Even if you're doing it, do more of it. If you're not doing it, start doing it. That would be that'd be one idea. Um, you know, but some of these are kind of obvious. But the thing is, you know. We get complacent, right? We are creatures of habit. And so in your lodge today, you could probably think right now, like, if I were going through this again, what would I want to see different? But you don't take the time to stop and think about that. You're like, well, you know, I got to I gotta hurry up and, and plan for next month's dinner, and I've got to make sure that this committee report's done. And you get so caught up in the minutia that you might forget about the experience here. So some of these sound obvious, because they are, but they're not only obvious if you sit down and think about them, right? Well, just to touch on some of the comments that are going by, um, communicate. What? Don't just stop talking to the guy after he's raised. Um, continue to communicate with him after the mentoring is done. You should still be meeting with the guy, whether it's for coffee or to ask him how his experience is or you know what, what many people had mentioned on the, on the chat today. Survey him and ask him what he liked, what he didn't like, what could have been better, what could have been worse. Um, you know, Get those questions asked now that he's a member you got to make him feel that he has a voice and that things that he wants to say and wants to be heard are, are, are heard by the members. Um, don't just, you know, communication is not, 
you're emailing him out a bulletin every month or you're sending him out the trestle board or whatever it's called and yeah. you're letting him know when the next meeting is. That is just a pile of crap. So. And I think you really summarized it well with this last sticky note here. Just give people the opportunity to do the masonry the way they expect it. Yeah. Yep. Because there's lots of there's lots of ways, right? And and that's, you know, when I was really deep into the membership statistics, you know, people were always saying, "Okay, John, well, what's the magic bullet?" And I'm like, "There is no magic bullet. If it, if it was, we would have done it already, right?" It depends on the culture of your lodge, and so you have to determine what this this sticky means to you. This give people opportunity to do masonry, the way that fits the culture of your lodge, the way that fits the expectations as well. So, what does Alan say here? This has been an intentional journey for him. I've been journaling my experience. What? That is Beautiful. Coolest. You get 100 points for you, sir. Boom. So, winner, winner, right, so, right so as you go through, certainly let the lodge know in a nice, polite, friendly way that here are some things that we could do to make, make it better for the next guy. And that's what it's really all about, right? Uh, we want to make sure that um, this, inet, this initiatic experience that we love so much uh, carries on and it is worth doing. And you know, anything worth doing is worth doing great. So you can see in less than an hour, we've, we've taken a simple tool, brainstormed a little bit about, you know, what are the steps that go through this fictitious lodge? And then what are the things that we can do to make the experience better or great, go from, from good to great. And what you want to do then is, is after your lodge officers or whatever, finish this again, to do something with those sticky notes and like actually get a plan together and say, okay, assign action items, Joe, next week you are going to, you know, put together the ritual cast for, and you are going to do two extra practices and then we'll, we'll know if that helps. Right. Or, you know, we're going to start doing handwritten notice letters and that's going to be assigned to John, uh, but he has the best calligraphy and he has the, all the, all the tools and, and it's blasphemy. I know like change in masonry. What? <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't like right. change. So I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, because this is a very simple tool that just helps you stop and think. That's what I think the beauty of this is. It, it gives you a chance to analyze, to improve. Um, it's a way to just get out of your own head and, and start putting your yourself in the shoes of the candidate going through so that we have a great experience, not a better process, right? Be the change you wish to see in the world. Be the change. Yes. Another bumper sticker, my favorite bumper sticker, but yeah, no, I think, I think this was, this was actually awesome. Um, and again, it, we covered in an hour, a ton of touch points for lodges. Lodges can revamp their entire experience based on a third of the things that we put down. Um, and again, this is just based on, again, the user experience. It's not what, you think as a lodge you're doing great and um you know how to improve things from a from an officer or a member or even a grand lodge level right because masonry doesn't happen at a grand lodge level it happens at the local lodge level right grand lodges are there just to be grand and awesome and purple and stuff so um yeah i mean yeah i just saw be the change pop up on youtube and i stopped and, froze and had a brain fart so. i'm thinking like michael jackson's man in the mirror that's all i'm hearing in the back of my head <laughs> Yes, Scott, man, I'd love to do this, right? Just just help masonry be better. Yep, absolutely. I like it. Awesome. Okay, Joe, final question of the night, which is, um, if you were to use this tool, 
which law dependent body um, or portion or subpart of masonry would you apply this to first? What's which one? Which one area in masonry that you'd like to take this and try it out on? And then your final thoughts after that. I'm still trying to understand your question. Um, yeah. So if you were to use this tomorrow, like you were saying, I, I, which appendant body would I use this on? Or would I use this on a Grand Lodge committee? Like what would be the first one that you would say, hey, this is a good tool. I could, I'd like to try this with this group. Well, it's got to be at the Blue Lodge level, right? Because that's everybody's first experience in masonry. And where I would take improvements that we've talked about today are in the user engagement and the user experience before they knock on the door, right? Make the website snappy, have a social media presence, have people who have the wherewithal to understand what happens in social media and respond to people. Um, when your Facebook group or your Facebook page or your lodge website gets a contact form, respond to him that next day or that day. Don't wait three months and then the person's already lost interest or they've gone elsewhere. So have some touch points and keep to those touch points. You know, I'm going to reach out to a new candidate within 24 hours, or I'm going to reach out to someone asking questions in 48 hours um, and just have it documented and have it hold people accountable to it. You know, if you have someone who's um, membership committee, you know, some lodges have a membership committee, that person better be reaching out to every single person that reaches out to their website or their social media or what have you. Uh, LinkedIn for the grownups, you know, uh, if someone's sending you a message on LinkedIn, don't leave it there for a month. Check it every day. It takes five minutes. Y'all spend way more time on TikTok doing TikTok things. So take the 10 minutes and reach out to people who are interested in the thing that you love and help them to make them love it as much as you do. And yeah, that's my final thought. I'm exhausted. My brain hurts. And if I heard one more Masonic platitude, I'm going to actually yeah. get up and leave the room. So Thank you. You know, Joe, you get out of it what you put into it. So that's really what you should be thinking about when you're doing this, this type of uh, exercise here. So, um, thanks Joe. Yeah. Whatever. Over to me. All right, let's go. Let's talk about, uh, what would I apply this to? First thing that came to mind for me was actually the opposite of what, uh, Joe said. It was an appendant body. Um, there's one appendant body that when I joined, I had the worst experience going through it. And, uh, Brethren didn't know their which ritual. One which one was that? You know which one it was. Um, so, so much, in fact, that I always called it de degree rape because I had such high expectations going in, and then the experience I got when I was there was, it was awful. It wasn't even subpar. It was just awful. Um, brethren, just reading the ritual, it was, uh, they, they were mispronouncing words. It was, you know, they were supposed to be, theatrics and all that involved and there wasn't it was just uh less than a bland experience it was just a bad experience and so this would be it'd be great maybe it's something i'm actually thinking you know now that i'm a member of that appendant body i'm trying to improve that experience i'm thinking what i went through and i'm trying to make it better uh for the guys behind me that come in so uh, that's where i my mind immediately jumped to when i when the question is where could you start applying this today um while yes, Blue Lodge, amazing. Right? That's that's certainly important. And when you look at some of these other um, appendant bodies that are shrinking still, how can we improve that experience for all the brothers that are joining us as well? So that's that's my two cents. You guys have been awesome. I really do appreciate uh, you walking through this. And the comments have just been on fire tonight. Um, a lot of good discussion about what's working and what's not in, in your respective jurisdictions. So stick with it. Thanks for watching. And keep searching for more light. Have a good night.
Wow. 